Good morning, Westridge. Well, you know what today is, don't you? Sunday. Sunday, yeah. It's the fourth and final message in the series, A Brand New You. <laughs> you never tire of mocking me, do you? Any new yous out there? No, no new yous, just a few yappers. When you decide it's time for a brand new you, the first thing you got to do is want it. You got to want to get in the game to up your awareness. You've got to want to stop pretending, start living a transparent life. You, you got to want to accept responsibility, take control back from others. And today, probably the least talked about quality of a new you. You've got to want to take a risk for things that matter. You've got to want to live courageously, not cowardly. Uh, Where do we get the strength to turn our backs on safety and comfort and do the very thing that we're afraid to do? Many think that courage is generated in that part of the spirit we poetically call the heart. It's a power that surges from the heart into our will, leads us beyond thinking and talking, pushes us to do the right thing when we're terribly afraid of doing it. But how does the power get inside the human heart? Two basic forms of courage. One is acting courageously in the face of deadly danger. The other is acting courageously when troubles are already upon us. Now, when we expose ourselves to danger for a good cause, we show what we might call guts or valor or fortitude. It's what philosophers call aggressive courage. And when we act with aggressive courage, we risk dying precisely because we have a passion for living. Only if we desire to live is death a danger and risking it a form of danger. And certainly, many Christians around the world today face this kind of danger and must display this kind of courage. Because the reality is, this year, in 2012, thousands of Christians will be martyred for their faith. However, I would guess for most of us living in this area, that we face the second kind of courage. The kind of courage that requires us to struggle against present adversity. Now, those who need this kind of courage don't risk death, they risk living. Because the reality is, it takes a lot of courage to hang on to life. (laughs) Just to hang on to life. When the sullen days of a cold winter are too long and too dark to endure. It's this kind of courage that David talks about In the 23rd Psalm, I like the way Peterson paraphrases it. It goes like this. Even when the day, even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. Courage is a long obedience in the same direction. Now notice that our way goes through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't stop there. We go through it. And so I guess the first thing I'd say to you about courage is this. Keep moving. 
through it. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the continued movement through the fear. It's not allowing fear to paralyze us in place. Perseverance doesn't mean perfect. It means that we keep going. It means that we don't quit when we find that there is still a longer journey than we ever anticipated ahead of us. We dig in daily. It means that we may bear burdens that we desperately would rather not have to bear. And at times it means that we may be weak enough to succumb to the temptation to let other people know those burdens are not welcome. Sometimes we can even get angry about the unfairness of it all. We may get caught yelling at our spouse or at our friends, our employer, our employees, our children. And our shouting, for the most part, just means we care about something. We care about God. We care about morality. We care about justice and righteousness. And so, if that's you, be angry for a time if you must. But whatever you do, keep moving. Don't stop in the valley. Go through it. Get to the other side. It takes courage to commit to a marriage long enough to turn a difficult relationship into a permanent partnership. It takes courage sometimes to stick with your kids when you receive no emotional reward for doing the right thing. Recent, I had dinner with a couple this week who told us a story about their 20-something-year-old son working in dad's business, had a lucrative, successful career ahead of him until he was found stealing from his dad and from the business. It takes courage to keep going. It takes courage to hang in there with your, with your spiritual life when you're going through the dark night of the soul. It takes courage to wrestle with doubt instead of, instead of pretending with, with poppy and pompous platitudes. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And discouraging words, they can beat us down when we're in the valley. And the reality is we die preliminary deaths before the final curtain. There are losses of precious life fragments that used to give our life meaning. And we're going to have to find a way to keep going when we lose them. Because to be sure, there are little deaths along the way, on the journey. And it takes courage to keep moving through them. It may be the loss of a vocational dream. It may be the loss of a physical ability. It may be a relational loss. And things never, ever will be the same again. They just won't. It may even be a loss of the meaning of life. Like a person that wakes up one morning and decides that life is a cosmic accident. Doomed to end in a global garbage heap. And life itself has no more significance than an unwanted fly buzzing around the room. Courageous people, they keep going through the valley. And whenever we find people with the courage to affirm life in the midst of these preliminary deaths, we ought to have a party. When we meet a woman who chooses to live a creative life, even though it's from a wheelchair... 
or someone with MS who still finds a way to serve other people, or parents who celebrate their artistic child by having a party every day. If we had sense to notice the power some people discover within themselves to keep moving through the valley, we turn every day into a festival. Second thing I'd say to you about courage is this. Keep looking for hope. When I read the exploits of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, I'm astounded at the courage he displayed. It seems as if he showed more courage in a day than I can summon in a lifetime. He was persecuted, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was put in prison. Paul is on a ship as a prisoner going to Rome to stand trial. And of all things, a storm comes up. And this passage from the book of Acts records his conversation with the crew. Remember, he's the prisoner talking to those holding him in prison. He says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God, and I love this phrase, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So, keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. Now, I realize your mission is probably not to go to Rome and stand trial, but this much we have in common with the Apostle Paul. We're on a journey. And at some point on that journey, maybe it's now for you, maybe it's in the future, maybe it's been in the past. At some point in that journey, it's going to take courage in the midst of a storm to believe that it will happen just as God has promised. Period. Here's the last thing I'd say to you about courage. And that is keep close to a community of faith. Hope gives us courage, and we find it in community. Many of you will know Dietrich Bonhoeffer as a pastor in Germany. And from the beginning, he saw the Nazis for what they were. And he risked everything to fight them. Finally, they arrested him, put him in prison. And it was from there that he wrote letters that inspire people to live courageous lives to this day. In one of them, he penned this prayer. Give me the hope that will deliver me from fear and faint-heartedness. He was given hope, and hope gave him courage. But they killed him anyway. Sometimes, sometimes, it seems as if God goes on leave of absence, and we fear that he's not on our side anymore. Those are the times we need a community of faith. Because it's in community that we'll be reminded that God is still here, that he is still on our side, that he is on the side of life, not death. He's on the side of love, not hate. He's on the side of peace, not war. He's on the side of joy, not misery. And while no one else can have courage for us, behind individual courage, there is usually a community. That's because 
Courage is contagious. We can catch it from one another. It spreads as we get close to one another. The psychologist Rollo May is sure that the source of courage goes back to the community of the family. He says, if a person is a coward, a habitual coward, he says, it seems to come from an early rejection, an early feeling that the mother will not support her child and may even turn against him in his fight. He says, such a person finds inconceivable that another would ever support them in their troubles. He says, those people most likely to act bravely for another are those who are able to trust that others in their family will not let them down when crisis comes. We need that community. And while we can't change what happened in those early formative years of our life, we can act courageously in the present because God gives us a new family, a supportive family, a forever family that will stand behind us and encourage us, literally means infuses us with courage. That's why we need each other in the church. That's why it's worth the risk to be a part of a community of faith. It's worth the risk. It's worth the stretch. When we keep moving through our fears, when we keep looking for hope, when we risk being a part of a new community, we'll receive the courage we need, the courage that we didn't even think we had. That's part of a brand new you. Reese and I don't always agree on everything, but one thing we do agree on is we love vacationing in Hawaii. So I'm going to be courageous this morning and just let you know something I've never, I've never let another church know, or this church know. <clears throat> We're willing to volunteer to be your missionaries as, as uh, like a beach chaplain uh, uh, on the north shore of Oahu in Hawaii. There, I've said it. I've said it. Yeah. You know, I could stroll up and down the beach, pray with people, do weddings. I, I'd make you proud. Trust me. You think about it. Just think about it for a while before you, before you respond. Well, one year, we're right there on the north shore of Oahu, and I see bumper stickers and I see t-shirts, other phrases that say, that just say this, Eddie would go. That's all. Eddie would go. And being the keen cultural observer I am, I decided I got to do a little research on this. I got to know what's, what's going on here. Turns out, Eddie was a real person. He was a, a native Hawaiian. He was a, a big wave surfer from Oahu. And you know if you're going to be a real surfer, you got to go to the North Shore. When you're freezing your toes off here in January and February, the real surfers are on the North Shore surfing. Which is why I need to be there sometimes. 
He also served as a lifeguard at Waimea Bay. That would be a place we could, you know, build our chapel. And Eddie spent a life literally saving hundreds by braving the monster winter surf, rescuing people who had gotten into trouble. Longtime locals have memories of Eddie charging into waves three or four stories high to pull the helpless visitors back in. Often a helicopter would be called in to raise the swimmer in a bucket. And then Eddie would swim back through the surf to the shore. In the 1970s, a voyaging canoe was built to prove that Polynesians had navigated to and from Hawaii using only the stars. And so on the first trip to Tahiti, the crew brought along a navigator from Micronesia to teach them how to navigate using only the heavens. But they couldn't get along. Tensions broke out and fistfights broke out and the navigator refused to go back on the boat from Tahiti to Hawaii. And so in 1978, a second voyage was planned to Tahiti and Eddie was accepted as a volunteer crewman. And so it was on March 16, 1978, 10,000 people gathered at Magic Island to see them off. And even though the weather was turning foul, the great turnout created pressure to leave anyway. That night, as a result of some hatches being improperly shut, the holes filled with water and the canoe capsized. Their radio was flooded, their emergency beacon was lost. And almost immediately, Eddie volunteered to take his surfboard through the 15-foot swells and the 35-mile-an-hour winds to Lanai. The captain flatly refused. Cold, wet, and scared, the crew spent the night calling out to each other to make sure no one had been washed away. The next day, Eddie asked again to go. And although Lanai was now 20 miles away through angry seas, the captain and the officers reluctantly agreed. If anybody could do it, they figured, Eddie could do it. And so the crew gathered around him to say a prayer and Eddie started paddling his 12-foot surfboard. When he was 50 feet from the boat, he took off his life jacket so he could paddle better and he continued on his way. Eddie was never seen again. Later that evening, the crew shot a a flare into the air as the last inter-island flight flew by and miraculously, the pilot saw it and responded to the flare and the remaining crew were rescued by a Coast Guard helicopter. But today, Eddie is synonymous in Hawaii with trying, with going for it, with risking it all for your friends. And to this day, the phrase, Eddie would go, inspires courageous behavior because courage is contagious such is the power of a courageous life you know on second thought I think I got the sequence backwards in the series maybe we start with courage 
Because it takes courage to leave the old you behind and to get on a journey toward a brand new you. A new you who's aware and transparent and in control. I'm not asking you to to swim through a storm. I'm asking you to have the courage to keep going, to keep looking, to keep close in community. I'm asking you to move toward a brand new you. Remember, Eddie would go. The question is, will you?